Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the In God She Trust podcast with your host, Kitri Cooper. Y'all, I actually did it. I said in last episode that I was going to try to get in Romans 7 before I left for my trip, and I actually did. It is 9.30 currently on the day before I leave. <laughs> like 9.30 at night, not 9.30 in the morning, 9.30 at night. So y'all, I'm cutting it close, but you know what? You know what? I was like, you know what, girl? You cannot keep putting off Romans. Um, So I was like, you got to do it. So I did it. Woohoo. Look at me go. Um, when you are listening to this one, um, actually, you know, even last week's too, I am probably on a beach in Greece somewhere. And I say that not to rub it in. Actually, yeah, I do just slightly. <laughs> um, but you know, if you don't hear from me for like another week or so, it's going to be because I'm a little busy having a vacation and enjoying myself. Um, you know, so all that stuff is, is fun and, and good. Um, so yeah, <laughs> I like currently sitting ready for my trip. I am so excited. I am so stoked. I am a huge history nerd, huge, huge, like Donald Trump, huge. Right. <laughs> and so, and like Greece is just filled with history. So I'm really, really looking forward to, to going there and seeing all of the history and the, the beautiful architecture and oh, y'all. I'm, oh. <sighs> Anyways, I could just sit here and reminisce. Um, I just want to thank you guys for listening in all the time. Um, I feel like I sound weird tonight. Do I sound weird tonight? I don't know. Maybe it's my allergies. Don't know. Um, I just feel like I sound like, like I've smoked a bunch, which I haven't, but I just feel like my voice sounds really like smokery or when like, um, Phoebe and friends get sick and she feels like she has a sexy voice and like she wants everyone's cold. It's kind of like what it feels like right now anyways but thank you guys for listening in and thank you for those of you who donate to this ministry um it means a lot I mean I'm a small podcast but just like just like me it's small but mighty <laughs> right I'm um, just doing this out of obedience to God and just hopefully somebody hears the gospel and gives their life to Christ or if you've already given your life to Christ we're just figuring out how to be better followers of Christ, because we are supposed to be followers of Christ and disciples, not just merely believers, because even the demons believe in Christ. But there is a difference between, you know, those who believe in Christ or believe in God and those who actually follow him. Right. And so we're just trying to do our best here to follow him. So, you know, welcome aboard. If this is your first time, if this is not your first time, Welcome back. I appreciate you guys. You guys are awesome. You're amazing. And I do pray for you guys. And I really love you guys. And I know like, okay, I know every podcast says that. And you're like, I love my followers. I love you guys. I really do. I really honestly do. Because if you're on my podcast, and if you're listening to this platform, I don't sugarcoat things. I'm pretty sure you have found that out if you've listened to any episode of mine. Or if you've just been around me, because um, the same person you get on this microphone is the same person you get in real life. I'm hilarious. At least I think I am. Um, 
I can just see my friend Jesselina right now rolling her eyes going, oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> just because I think I'm hilarious. I am hilarious. You know, but I'm also, I'm just very, um, I'm very honest and I want to spread the truth and I want to do so in love. And sometimes, you know, that's, sometimes it's a little, it comes out a little harsh, sometimes harsher than I expect it to, but it's always rooted in love. It's always coming from a place of, I just want people to be free because I have been set free. Right? And that is Honestly, the only thing that as Christians we should be doing is just giving people the truth because we have been set free and we are wanting the same for them. So, <sighs> anywho, all right, y'all. Let's just, you know what? Let's just dive deep into it today. We are in Romans chapter 7. And I'm pretty sure, I cannot quite remember, but I'm pretty sure I've been reading it in the NLT version, which is the New Living Translation. So I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure. Right? Yeah, whatever. It's fine. Yeah, pretty sure. So um, I'm just going to read. If you are sitting down, grab a cup of coffee, because coffee is the juice of God. And... Um, you know, cuddle up with a blanket or your dog and let's just have some Bible time together. If not, if you're in the car, um, just be listening to my luscious Phoebe Buffet sexy sounding voice and we're just going to get into it together. So Romans 7. Now, dear brothers and sisters, you who are familiar with the law, don't you know that the law applies only while a person is living? For example, when a woman marries, the law binds her to her husband as long as he is alive. But if he dies, the laws of marriage no longer apply to her. So while her husband is alive, she would be committing adultery if she married another man. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law and does not commit adultery when she remarries. So, my dear brothers and sisters, this is a point. You died to the power of the law when you died with Christ, and now you are united with the one who is raised from the dead. As a result, we can produce a harvest of good deeds for God. When we were controlled by our old nature, sinful desires were at work within us, and the law aroused these evil desires that produced a harvest of sinful deeds, resulting in death. But now we have been released from the law, for we died to it and, there are, no longer, and, and are no longer captive to its power. Now we can serve God, not in the old way of obeying the letter of the law, but in the new way of living in the spirit. Well then, am I suggesting that the law of God is sinful? Of course not. In fact, it was the law that showed me my sin. I would never have known that coveting is wrong if the law had not said, you must not covet. But sin used this command to arouse all kinds of covetous desires within me. If there were no law, sin would not have had that power. At one time, I lived without understanding the law. But when I learned the command not to covet, for instance, the power of sin came to life, and I died. So I discovered that the law's commands, which were supposed to bring life, brought spiritual death instead. Sin took advantage of those commands and deceived me. It used the commands to kill me. But still, the law itself is holy. And its commands are holy and right and good. But how can that be? Did the law, which is good, cause my death? Of course not. 
Sin used what was good to bring about my condemnation to death. So we can see how terrible sin really is. It uses God's good commands for its own evil purposes. So the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me, for I am all too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I'm doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I am not the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I am not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living within me that does it. I have discovered this principle of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. The power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. Paul coming in clutch, dude. Complete clutch. Paul is so good, y'all. I mean, the Bible is good, but like Paul is a good writer. So, skipping back to the very beginning of verse, not verse, chapter 7. Um, verses 1 through 7, Paul uses a marriage as... Um, some form of some form of metaphor on how we live according to the law. So if your spouse dies, you're no longer bound to that person. We are the spouse that dies. You know how like in the Bible, like when Jesus would give like a metaphor or like a simile and the um, disciples were like, um, what? Like, what do you mean? Um, I follow this page. It's like Christian office memes where they turn like um, parts of like the office, the show, the office into like Christian memes. And it, there was one that was labeled like um, the disciples. Anytime Jesus um, told a parable and it's <laughs> it cuts to the scene where Michael is like sitting at his desk and he's like, explain it to me like I'm five. And so <laughs> that's kind of like. So I'm going to do that for you. Um, you. You know, the spouse that dies is you. It is your sinful nature. It is the part of you that was without Christ, before Christ, <laughs> BC. It was you, BC. Oh my gosh, I just came up with something awesome. I'm going to start calling me like my past that, like me, BC, me before Christ. <laughs> I should patent that. I should like make a business or something out of it. I don't know. I'm just kidding. Um, but so we are the spouse that dies. Our flesh died with Christ. So we are broken from the bounds of the law because the law is what was like trying to keep sinful people together. I mean, the law, the law was there. The law was beautiful. The law was spiritual. The law was good as Paul said, but you know, people just aren't. 
And so um, when Christ died, we died. If we choose Christ. If you don't choose Christ, you don't die. Your sinful, your sinful self is still alive and kicking, right? But when you choose Christ, you died with him. Your, your self on who you were, BC, before Christ, died with him. And then he was raised from the dead. And guess what, fam? If you were buried with him, you were raised with him as well. You were, you were raised new. And in that, you, are now, you now get to be fruitful and you get a new marriage to Christ that bears goodness and all of the, the fruits of the spirit. And as, you know, uh, a wife is supposed to, we get to serve God. And do not come for me like, a wife is not supposed to serve her husband. Yes, we are. We meaning wives. <laughs> like, yes, you are. I'm not married. Whoops. But like, um, yes, you are. Like, wives are supposed to serve their husbands as husbands are also supposed to serve their wives because we are supposed to serve each other as we are supposed to serve Christ. Okay. And there is Bible for that. Just read Ephesians five. Just saying. Um, but now we get to serve God, AKA our new marriage. Like we are supposed to in the fullness of life. God should now be our focused when we are, be our focus, excuse me, when we are in Christ. If not, we didn't truly divorce ourselves from our flesh. Now, I am not saying that you're not ever going to struggle with sin in that because we're going to see later on that's not going to be the case. However, but if you're just like, oh, yeah, whatever, like God forgives me, I get to do whatever I want freely. No. And if you think that, I don't think you got the point of Romans 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, or six. And so maybe go back and listen to those. I don't know. I'm like, I'm like a little bit in a sassy mood today, y'all. Like my sarcasm is on a new level. Y'all are in for a wild ride. Like it's going to be wild. I hope, I hope you know what you're getting yourself into. I tell that to Caleb all the time. I'm like, do you know what you're getting yourself into with me? Apparently he does. Who knows? Okay, so moving on because we can go down like about a billion rabbit holes. All right, then um, we kind of get into verses 8 through like 20 something. But before we get into that, I have to tell you a story and it does correlate, I promise. So I have two siblings. I have an older I almost said an older sister, an older brother named Mitchell. And then I have a younger sister named Logan. And um, one thing y'all should know about the Cooper kids is um, we are notoriously stubborn children, right? Um, Our parents raised us to have a backbone and to have an opinion and to be independent. But with that came some stubbornness, okay? Um not me. I am the golden child. I am just kidding. I'm probably one of the most stubborn ones. Um, but, um, my brother, he was the oldest and he was the boy. So of course he was like the most rambunctious. Um, but there would be like multiple times where throughout his childhood, he would just test my parents. And like, when I mean test, like look them dead in their retina and do exactly the opposite of what they said. For example, 
Um, one time, I guess when he was like, I don't know, two or something like that, he had like, um, like a butter knife or, or something of that sort. And he like went to go put it in the light socket. And luckily this was like in the nineties where they like had like those protectors over the sockets. So like, don't freak out. Karen's okay. Like you're all good. If your name is Karen, I'm so sorry. Like if you're an actual kind human being and your name is Karen, like I just, I have to tell you, I feel for you. Okay. I do. Anyways, moving on. And, um, they would be like, Mitchell, no, don't do that. And he would like, look at them and he would like just inch it just a smidge closer and a smidge closer. And you know, they would like try taking it away, all of this other stuff. And eventually they just had to smack his hand. But there was one day I specifically remember, and it was extremely traumatizing. I have so many stories on my brother, guys. We could ha- we could have an entire podcast on the traumatizing things my brother did to me as a kid. I love you, Mitchell. Um, but anyways, there was this one time my parents were outside, and they were doing something. It was summer, and they're doing something with the with the landscape because my mom loves to garden. And um, my brother had like a lighter, and he was like really close to the curtains with it and I said hey be careful get away from the curtains we don't want the curtains to light on fire and Mitchell like flicked on the lighter and he was doing like the and like inching it back and forth like really close to the curtains and I kept telling him Mitchell stop you're gonna burn the house down and um he like kept joking around and then he accidentally caught like a loose string and it caught fire for just a quick second. And like, of course we got it out immediately, but it was like one of those things that I was just like, dude, I told you not to do it. Cause you're going to burn the house down. You did it anyways. And you'd nearly burn the house down. Like I, I told you, I told you. Right. And so that is an exact depiction of what our flesh does when the law tells us, Hey, don't do that. Our flesh goes, watch me and wants to do it anyway, or doesn't just merely want to do it anyways. It actually does do it. And so in verses eight through 20, like, of course, Paul is like, I already know because these people are going to argue with me. I already know what they're going to say. They're going to be like, oh, well, are you suggesting that the law is bad? And he's like, no, no. I guess is this is verses seven, but um, he's like, am I suggesting that the law of God is sinful? He's like, of course not. He's like, in fact, it was a law that showed me my sin. The law isn't sin. Paul, um, Paul was just like arguing the way he talked about the law and making it seem, you know, his people were probably going to be like, well, you're making it seem sinful and bad. How could you say that? And Paul says, it's not sinful or bad because the law made us aware of our sin. And if we didn't have the law, we would have no idea how sinful we are. And it would not have pointed us towards Christ in our need for a savior. We would have just been just walking around blind in the dark. And so he's like, the law is good because it showed us that we needed Christ. It showed us that we needed God. It shows that we need a savior. So what Paul says here in these verses 7 through 12 is like the law pointed out our evil desires. For example, the law says, hey, don't steal. And then our sin like sparks our interest and like deceives us into wanting to steal. And then we actually like commit the crime. I remember one time I was like five or six. We used to have this um, this bookstore 
in downtown Lander called Main Street Books. And I loved that store. I miss Main Street Books. Whatever happened to bookstores, you guys? Can we have like good bookstores again? And I'm not talking about like the Target area, which we don't like Target anyways, um, or like Barnes and Noble. Like no offense, Barnes and Noble, but like I'm talking like a mom and pop bookstore. We do have a really great bookstore here in Lander called Messenger Girls. Actually, if you guys ever listen to this, um, it's like messenger-girls.com. Tasha, who used to be on the podcast, owns it and it's a Christian bookstore and she has a phenomenal selection of good, wholesome, Christian, American, like, um, like, uh, military books. Like she's got a good selection of books. So anyways, speaking of mom and pop bookstores, go buy from her. She's awesome. Um, and I love her store, but anyways, um, what was I saying? Oh yeah. So I was five and like, we walked into this bookstore and there's this really, really pretty bookmark that I wanted. And, um, I knew I wasn't allowed to steal. I knew it was bad, but I just really wanted this bookmark. And I asked my mom for it and she said, no. So what did I do? I obeyed and I put it back and I walked outside. No, just kidding. I shoved that thing deep in my pockets and I stole that bookmark. I totally did. I am so sorry. If you are one of the owners of Main Street Books listening to this podcast, you probably aren't, but I will pay you the three ninety nine, okay. Just don't press charges. Um, but I was like five or six. I so, I shoved that thing in my pockets, and guys, it was like one of those bookmarks where you like turned it different ways. It like had different pictures. It's like one of those hologram things. Anyways, but I knew I wasn't supposed to steal. I knew stealing was wrong, but I still wanted to do it anyways, and so I totally did, right? And so, um. The law is supposed to bring us life and closer to God by making us holy. And Paul even said in verse 20 that the law is holy. But our sin can never be rectified by the law because we would continue to break it. Sin is what causes our death and separation from God. Did you guys know that? I think I said it a billion times by now. But sin is the cause of death and separation from God. The law is good. The law was good. And you want to know how I know this? It's because the law was created by God. And because God is good, the law is good. And because God is spirit, so is the law. And Paul actually says that. He literally said that the law is spirit. I'm trying to find the verse that it says that. In verse 12, but still the law itself is holy and its commands are holy and right and good. Okay, so there's that. Um, but he also says that his, our bodies are carnal. It says carnal in the New King James Version. Um, but... In the New Living Translation, it says, um, you know, sin is what used to bring about his condemnation to death, so we can see how terrible sin really is. It literally brings spiritual death. So, And God knew we needed a new law. He's like, they ain't gonna, they ain't gonna keep up with this, fam. They're just not going to. They're gonna keep breaking it. They cannot uphold any law. Literally, like, 
and I'm saying we like as Christians, because like on our own, we cannot uphold the law. Um, but if you like, look at, I don't know the entire Bible, it just shows time after time how Jews and Gentiles alike, um, especially Jews in the old Testament could not obey the law to save their lives. Could not do it. Um, and if you think that you would have done better, I'm just here to tell you you're wrong. You couldn't have. I couldn't have. Definitely not. Um, so anyways, and then in verse 15, um, oh, it's actually in verse 14 where it says, uh, the trouble isn't with the law for it's spiritual and good. Just kidding. Um, in verse 15, he says, I don't really understand myself for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I'm doing is wrong, it shows that I agree with the law is good. So I'm not the one doing the wrong. It's sin living in me that does it. So here, Paul is describing his own struggles with, with, with sin. And um, scholars don't really know if he's talking about him before he was a believer, Paul, B.C., or after. But based on how Paul is writing and the Greek tenses that he used, um, many believe that he was talking about after he was a believer, not before. He says that knowledge isn't the answer. He felt bliss being ignorant to the law. But then when he learned the truth, he was like, yeah, I was doomed. And I think he like, it literally says that in the, the new King James version. He's like, when I learned the law, I knew I was doomed. And then he tried practicing the law on his own strength when he's talking about like, I try to do it, but I just can't. And that's him trying to do the law on his own strength. But he once again failed there too. And then... He was sinning and didn't even like it. And so being a Christian does not take the temptation of sin away. Just, I'm here to burst your bubble today. Um, a lot of times it seems like when we preach the gospel to people, we just like, he's just going to set you free. And he will. But... We sometimes make it seem like you're never going to struggle ever again with your sin, with your temptation, with your flesh, with your gross desires, with your like weird stuff. You totally are. You're going to struggle with it. But when, when, I, when we say, or when I say he's going to make you free, it means that you no longer are bound to those things. You're bound to him and holy and righteousness. Um, once again, I'm getting ahead of myself. But we're still going to struggle. And in that struggle, it should make us realize that we need God and a Savior more and more and more. Sanctification, which is us becoming Christ-like, should take a lifetime and will take a lifetime. It will not happen immediately. It will happen over time. But luckily, God is patient and will help us through it. Non-Christians aren't able to keep the law ever at all. That's why the law does not make us righteous before God. It cannot save us. It cannot give us salvation. Um, and not just the law, because in, in when Paul says the law, he's talking about the Old Testament laws, right? The 621 laws of the Old Testament that Jews had to follow in order to be made righteous before God. That's what he was talking about. But let's talk about our laws, okay? If we say we're Americans, 
um, I'm, I'm from America's. I know I have, um, people who listen to me internationally. I have no idea what your laws are, but if we look at just like generalizations, like do not murder, don't steal, don't, you know, sexually assault people don't, you know, all of this stuff. Um, you know, and then each, um, each country has like their own, like tiny, like other laws that pertain to, you guys know what I'm getting, you know what I'm getting at. Okay. (laughs) Um, but a lot of times the thing that the, a big argument that I have heard people make is, um, you know, if you're just a really good person and you just try to be kind and good and moral, you'll get into heaven. That was the sound of me bursting your bubble. Are you ready for it? That's not true. Just being a good person will not save you. I don't care how nice you are, how kind you are, and how moral you are. I mean, I do care about that. I mean, we want people to be nice and kind and moral and good and follow the laws and be a good citizen, right? But it does not matter if you do not have Jesus, because without Jesus, scripture says any, any of those who are not believers and who do not choose Jesus are doomed. Once again, I'm here to bust y'all's bubble. Okay. Actually not me, Paul, because this is Romans seven. So I'm going to kind of deflect and I'm going to say that it's Paul who is bursting your bubble. I'm just the messenger or like the second messenger. Um, so don't kill this messenger. Um, but I mean, but that's, that's the truth. And that is scripture. And even Christians will still struggle with sin and temptations. We are Christians. You know that one sound on TikTok that's like, I said I'm healing, not healed. Duh. So the, the, what is it? The, the opportunity for me to spaz is very high. I've seen a lot of Christians um, turn that into, I said I'm Christian, not Christ. Right. So yes, we are Christians, not Christ, but in Christ, we are not doomed because in him, we are justified, sanctified and righteous in Christ. We are justified, sanctified and righteous. And I know those probably sound like Christianese, you know, or it's just me sprinkling like a little bit of Jesus glitter on it, but there's scripture for all of those. When you accept Christ and you accept that he is not just savior, but Lord, and you allow him to be Lord of your life, you are made justified. You are sanctified and you are made righteous before the Lord. But we also have to remember that we still live in a fleshly body. In verse 18, Paul then says that with his and our flesh, there is nothing good. Nothing. Which further supports my claim that even if you're a good person without Christ, you're doomed. Because you are still evil without Christ. Right? Um, 
And Paul says he tries to do good, yet he still sins. He wants to do good, but he can't. And I have felt that way so many times, and I still feel that way. I have asked God so many times, when am I going to stop screwing up? When am I going to stop making this mistake? When am I going to this? When am I going to that? When am I just going to, when am I just going to get it together? And the answer is never, I think. I mean, I I will be getting better over time. And the closer I follow to the Lord, the less likely I am to sin. But I'm still going to struggle and I'm still going to fall into sin. And my mouth is still going to get me into trouble. It it just is. I'm going, I have to recognize that once again, I am Christian, but I am not Christ. And so I keep asking when, 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 when. And on my own, the answer is never. But in Jesus, though, I will become better. But I have to keep a chokehold on my flesh. And so do you. Do not, and I repeat, do not trust your flesh. It is sneaky. The second you let up on it, it will take over. And Satan is very crafty and will deceive you in ways that you do not see coming and in new ways that you would have never thought of. And so I have to keep a chokehold on my flesh. And sometimes that seems like setting boundaries that seem wild to people. Wild, especially to the world. For example, I am waiting till marriage in order to have sex. Did I do it wrong in my past? Absolutely. But in Christ, I know what his word says, that I'm supposed to keep the marriage bed pure and that I'm supposed to flee from sexual immorality. And so, like, there are boundaries I set for myself that might even seem very, very strict for other fellow believers. But I set those boundaries because I do not trust my flesh. I don't. Especially when I have a man that's as good looking as Caleb is. It's probably also good. He lives so flipping far away. But you know what I'm talking about, right? Or um, I have a friend who... It is in, um, it is in this person's um, family history of alcoholism. He will not touch it, will not even go near it. And it is once again because he does not trust his flesh enough to let him kind of sort of slip, kind of sort of slide, right? Because once again, that flesh is strong and it will come back with a burning passion for you. And Satan will just try new ways to get you to sin and fall into temptation that like you were like, that's new. Okay. You know what I mean? So you got to keep a chokehold on it. And if you have to set some ridiculous boundaries, do it. You know you. And God knows you. What's that other um, like thing that's like, come on. 
I know you, you know you, and I know that you know that we know that I know you, right? I can't remember what that is, but that's kind of what it, that's kind of what comes to mind. So keep a chokehold on that flesh. We're ta- not necessarily like a chokehold. I'm talking like maybe a pinch collar, a shock collar, a chokehold, and like an arm wrestle thing, like pinned to the floor. That like that's what I'm talking about. Okay. And you know, the second you let it up on that flesh, it's gonna take over. And instead of doing it on your own power, which is pure weakness, by the way, if you think you can do anything on your own, you're totally wrong. And if you have think you have power on your own, you once again don't. I'm really just trying to pop as many bubbles as I can today. I'm just I'm just over here. Right? <laughs> it's fun. Um but doing it with Christ's power. You can, you can do it because Christ's power is true power. God sends us his Holy Spirit, which we like to think that the Holy Spirit is separate from God the Father, God the Son. It's all the same. The Holy Spirit is God's very inner spirit. And he sent it to live in us, to guide us so that we know what to do in those moments of weakness. And... If we fall in those moments of weakness, he convicts us with love and then helps us back on our feet. Once again, we got to keep a chokehold on that flesh. And then as we see going into verses 21 through 25, we actually see Paul kind of have like an emotional struggle based on the fact that he knows how sinful his nature is without Christ. And once again, we're not sure if he's talking about BC Paul or AD Paul, right? Um, you could you could look at it either way, honestly. Like if if you wanted to read verses, you know, 20, uh, 21 through... 25 or, or in 24 where he says oh what a miserable person I am yeah and then earlier he's like I love God's law with all of my heart this is in verse 21 but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind this power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me and so it's like you could absolutely look at that as if he's talking about BC Paul like I'm a miserable person. I want to do good, but my body doesn't let me. I'm I'm bound in this body. Yada yada. Like you could look, but you could also look at it at AD Paul after death Paul. But like even Paul with Christ is that he wants to do good, but his body still fights him. His flesh still fights him. That nature of sin still fights him. And I can totally resonate with that. I can totally resonate with that. In my past, when I was doing really stupid stuff, deep down, I did not want to do it, but I still did it anyways. Or I knew I was supposed to do something, but I wouldn't. You know what I mean? And I fought that constantly. And I still kind of fight that even with Christ. It's like, I know what, what, I, what I should do is right, or like what Christ wants me to do is right. But sometimes, oh my gosh, it would just feel good if I lost it on the person that really made me mad that day. Especially because I have an attitude. Can you tell 
Can you tell I'm a person with a little bit of an attitude? I don't think so. I'm such a flowery human being. I'm so meek and quiet and just very even-tempered. You know, it's just great. You know, if you could just hear the voice of Mrs. Doubtfire in your head, it's that's me all the time. Just kidding. I'm like, I'm all spitfire every now and then. Um, <laughs> but like I said, and like Paul says, it's deep within him. It's deep within us. So even when we want to do right, evil is right around the corner waiting to entrap us. We will never be free from the desire to commit to, to commit sin, ever. You are still going to have desire to commit sin. I am still tempted on a daily basis to sin and do evil and like gross things. That is always there. There is someone currently um, making the life of my best friend a living hell right now. Making this my, my friend's life so hard. And my flesh wants to call this person up, rip into them, and just tear them apart. I do. And by world standards, it would be justified. I would be defending my friend. I would be telling this person how, the, how wrong they are, how evil they are, how manipulative and deceitful they are, because I know all of the stories, right? Um, but I can't act on it. I don't get to. I asked Jesus, and he said no. I literally said, Lord, let me call this person and just, just let me have righteous anger. And he said, no, you're going to be quiet. This is not for you to get into. So, you know, that's just something currently that I have to deal with. But in verse 22, Paul talks about this inner man that delights in the law. And I personally think that that is our spirit man, that the Holy Spirit lives inside. It delights in the law because the law, the Holy Spirit now lives in us and then writes the law on our hearts. But then our sin keeps wanting us to do evil because we were born this way. But being born in this sinful way just points out that we need to be born again. Just because we are born this way just shows that we need to be born again. Born again in Christ. And, you know, listening to this and, you know, reading this is probably like, oh, yeah, it's just sin or it's just the devil or, you know, I just can't help it. Yes, you can. Sin and the devil are defeated, fam. They are defeated enemies because Christ died. Just like every human on earth, Christ died. But unlike every person on earth, Christ rose from the grave. Christ literally went down into the depths of hell. And there is scripture for that. It's in Ephesians 4. I will find it. Christ literally went to hell, grabbed the keys from the devil, ascended, making us free from sin so we have no excuse to say the devil made me do it or the sin just took over or I just 
you know, I don't, I, one thing led to another and I had no control over it. Nah. No. Where is it? It's in Ephesians 4. I know it is. I know it is. Because I literally just read it. I'm looking for it. Hold on. Where is it? Where is it? Or is it in three? Oh, it's right here. Yep, Ephesians 4. It says, And the same one who descended. Oh, wait, hold on. I have to go back up. There's, it's further up. Hold on. Wait. Okay, in verse 9, it says, so this is Ephesians 4, verse 9. It says, notice that it says he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to our lowly world. And some manuscripts lead to the lower parts of the earth, which means hell. And the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. So Christ went to hell to make you free from sin. Christ is way more powerful and his power lives in you. If you are a Christian, you have the power to choose sin or choose the way of Christ. Without Christ, sin is stronger than you are. Without Christ, sin is stronger than me. But he won the war over sin and Satan to make you stronger than sin and Satan because when you are in Christ, you have his power. You have his authority. So you are stronger than sin and Satan in Christ. It is Christ's power that gives you the victory, not your own power. You don't get to use the band-aid of Satan made me do it. Or something just took over, like, I'm sorry, your sinful nature doesn't just, like, possess you. You know, like, in Men in Black, the very first one where it's, like, an alien and he puts on, like, this outer skin of a human, you know, and it just kind of, like, takes over, like, the body of this, like, human? That's not what your sin does in Christ. In Christ, you have power. Um, in, uh, first Corinthians 10, 13, it says the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so you can endure. The Holy Spirit is our helper. He literally dwells on the inside of you to literally whisper to you, hey, 
don't say anything right now. Hey, I want you to do this. Hey, that's not acceptable. Hey, nope, we're going to try a different way. Hey, this is really great. Hey, I love you. Hey, why don't we try this? That is his job. And so when you are facing sin, when you are facing temptation, number one, he's not going to be, he's not going to allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. But he's going to, he's going to give you a way out. And let me tell you, fam, I know that there is some temptations that seem impossible to say no to, but you still can choose. You still can choose. But the Holy Spirit will give you a way out. Because it is his power that frees you. Not your own. It is Christ's death that you have to die with. That your old self has to die with. But then it is in Christ's resurrection from death that you also get to raise with. That is what I'm talking about and what Paul is talking about when we say in Christ you are the freest you will ever be. That is salvation. All right, y'all. I love you all so very much. If you ever want to donate to the podcast, I do have a cash app um that you can send stuff to that is the in god she trusts ministries if you like this podcast or something resonates with you or you just really think that it could help someone else please um give us a rating share it subscribe all of the things and i will see you when i get back from greece bye love you guys bye